This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather round the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Ezra Levant is standing by to discuss his new book, China Virus, How Justin Trudeau's Pro-Communist Ideology is Putting Canadians in Danger. Coming up in hour two, crop circle filmmaker Patty Greer will be here. The summer of 2020 has been an interesting one in terms of crop circle formations, and Patty will give us an update. That's hour two. Why did Justin Trudeau wait so long to restrict flights from China? Why did his top healthcare bureaucrat tell us not to wear face masks? Why is there a loophole in Canada's quarantine laws for illegal border crossers at Roxham Road? Why did the Liberals gather up Canada's medical equipment and ship it to China as a gift? And why on earth did Trudeau give $838,000 to the Wuhan Virology Institute? None of these strange facts seem to make sense. China Virus is Ezra Levant's new book, and it documents the comedy of errors that allowed the coronavirus to spread through our communities. But it also reports in meticulous detail the Trudeau family's obsession with China that goes back to Pierre Trudeau's support for the communist dictatorship. And China virus warns that Trudeau, like his Chinese role models, is already trying to take advantage of the pandemic to seize further control in Canada, limiting parliament, restricting the media, and continuing the globalist agenda that got us into this trouble in the first place. Ezra Levant is a human rights activist, journalist, founder of Rebel News Network. His latest book is China Virus, How Justin Trudeau's Pro-Communist Ideology is Putting Canadians in Danger. Ezra Levant, welcome aboard. How are you? Well, very well. Thanks for having me. China Virus, How Justin Trudeau's Pro-Communist Ideology is Putting Canadians in Danger. Before we delve into the into the book itself, tell me about the status of the book, because I know it was banned at one point by Amazon, and then the ban was lifted, and I don't know if there was a second ban. What's going on? Yeah, it's very strange. I mean, I wrote the book very quickly in April. Uh, I wanted to get out my reactions to the pandemic, in the middle of the pandemic, Uh and we went to upload the book on April 23rd, if I am uh, not mistaken. And we've done books with Amazon for years, uh, best-selling books, most of them. So this was supposed to be at, as per usual, but they refused to upload the book. 
They wouldn't give details of why. They just said it contradicted, quote, official sources. But I, they never explained what that meant. The book doesn't give medical advice. It's not, you know, conspiracy theories about how the virus is, came or, or how to fix it. It's just a political book. It's a political book that talks about Justin Trudeau's connection to China. And I mean, I talk about Dr. Teresa Tam, the public health officer. Anyways, for months, uh, my, my lawyers kept writing to Amazon with no reply. And then suddenly, without explanation, they let the book go up for sale. Okay, well, it would have been courteous had they at least spoken to us. The book immediately roared up the bestseller list. I think it hit number two in paperback books in all of Canada and number one in ebooks. So this was a real hit. And then, just as quickly as they had permitted it, they banned it again with the exact same explanation again that it contradicted official sources. Well, they had just said that, and then they had relented. So I was really confused by this, and so were, so were readers, because we had shipped thousands of books, and then suddenly it was canceled. So I very quickly scurried to find a real bricks-and-mortar publisher, and we started printing copies of the book and selling it off our website, and then, four days later, I'm getting seasick from all these changes. <laughs> Amazon, again, without explanation, re-uploaded the book. So it was banned twice and unbanned twice. And to this day, they are still selling it, but <laughs> they have never explained themselves. They have never explained why they took it down or why they put it back up and why they did the whole thing twice. I take it as a badge of honor to be censored because that tells me I'm talking about things that are spicy and interesting. Right. No one wants to ban a boring book. Right. Uh, have you, as a working journalist, as a veteran working journalist, have you ever witnessed anything like what's going on right now in terms of, of censorship and book banning and what's happening on social media, specifically regarding uh, the coronavirus? Well, I have been in the middle of censorship battles for more than a decade. You might recall that back in 2005, 2006, a Danish newspaper published a dozen cartoons of the Muslim prophet Mohammed. Yes. And that caused riots and censorship and murders. And back then I published a small magazine, a, a paper magazine. This was before the internet was really huge. And I got hit with a human rights complaint from the Alberta Human Rights Commission. The Alberta and I fought it for three years. Yeah, well, it was called the Western Standard. Ah. That's what our little magazine was. And they took us to, they investigated us and had a hearing. Uh, but then they dropped it before they made a ruling on it. They just dropped the case after 900 days of beating me up. But I felt like I won that battle. And shortly thereafter, uh, the federal uh, government repealed the censor pro censorship provision of the Federal Human Rights Act. So, uh, I did, sorry, I didn't have a full hearing in Alberta. They dropped it before the full hearing, but they had their investigation of me. And one of the things I did back then, Richard, is I recorded the human rights uh, censor interrogating me I remember about my that. book. Yes. And I put that on, yeah, I put it on YouTube. And that was when YouTube was very young. 2008 was when I put it on the internet. And people weren't really used to blogs and YouTubes and PayPal and things like that back then. But that's what allowed me to fight back. The Internet was the freest place in the world back then. Fast forward a dozen years, 
And the internet is not the freest place in the world anymore. It's in fact the front lines of censorship. And at least when I was fighting the Alberta Human Rights Commission, I could see my accuser face to face. I could see the government officials. I could hire lawyers. There was a process. Now the censorship, as I described with Amazon, you don't even know who complained, what the complaint says. You don't know who is the judge. You don't have an opportunity to make a representation. It's all done secretly. Let me tell you one more thing I learned just a couple months ago, Richard. Um, we, we talk about our foreign governments interfering with our Canadian elections. Well, I spoke with a young man who worked in Phoenix, Arizona, for a large company called Cognizant. And they're a contractor of Facebook. Facebook uh, subcontracts to them the censorship of Facebook posts. So they have 1,500 people working in their Phoenix operation alone, three shifts a day, censoring 200 posts per day each. If my math is right, that's 300,000 little acts of censorship a day just out of their Phoenix office. And he told me they had a special handbook for Canada, including what you could or couldn't say about Jagmeet Singh, what you could or couldn't say about political issues like immigration. So you have no appeal. You have no hearing. You have no rule of law. Facebook has subcontracted some factory in Phoenix to pump out 300,000 censorship decisions a day. And specifically to target, in this case, Canada's 2019 election. So it's worse than ever, Richard. The censorship is worse than ever. Right. And yet they're dusting off the old playbook. It's Russia, Russia, Russia again. Here we go again for the uh, for the 2020 election. And I note uh, notice that uh, Kamala Harris's uh, former press secretary is now going to be in charge of uh, censorship on Twitter, which is a rather interesting development. Um I, I, yeah, wanna, I mean, imagine yeah. if the shoe was on the other foot. Imagine if it was Trump's son-in-law who was now in charge of Twitter censorship. We'd see how unfair that is. So it is one-sided. But the fact that censorship happens at all is very concerning. Indeed. Indeed. I want to talk about something uh, that is a fairly recent development in terms of coronavirus in Canada. And that is, it's most troubling. This is a contract that the Liberal government has entered into with um, a vaccine manufacturer in China. I believe it's pronounced CanSino or CanSino uh, Biologics. And uh, they are now beginning trial two, trial three uh, stage development uh, in conjunction with, um, I believe, a university in Halifax. They're going to be using Canadians as guinea pigs for this vaccine. Yeah. And, and this company has very close ties with the 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 uh, the Chinese uh, army, uh, I'm not yeah. sure if you address that in the book. It may have been it may have come out after the book. No, I absolutely do address that in the book. It's so weird. Uh, Trudeau signed a contract on behalf of the Canadian government with this company. I'm not sure if it's Cancino or Cancino um, to first of all to pay them, and they are affiliated with the People's Liberation Army. So we're literally doing business with the dictatorship's army over there um, to fund their vaccine. And Canada's role, besides giving them money, is to provide citizens in Nova Scotia to be the human guinea pigs for this Chinese-made vaccine. I mean, I suppose, you know, if you're in Nova Scotia and you choose to do this with your eyes open, I don't suppose I'm going to tell you not to, but... How is this a deal in Canadian interest? And by the way, 
it doesn't even give us guaranteed access to a vaccine if one is created. So I I have no idea why we're doing business with uh, the Chinese military. Um, It's a terribly negotiated deal, even if you want the deal. And I think that, you know, would you take a made in China vaccine for this virus that was hastily rushed through with all this cover-ups and deceptions of this Chinese Communist Party. I wouldn't trust the Chinese Communist Party about anything, let alone anything related to the virus. The idea of jabbing a needle into my arm with some quickly cooked up Chinese vaccine, I, I just can't picture doing it. And yet we know that Trudeau has ordered 37 million syringes for Canadians, which just happens to work out for one syringe for every man, woman, and baby. Um, I I'm worried that the public health theater that we're all going through now is conditioning us for a mandatory vaccine. And I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I mean, I think that if you go in with your eyes open and if it's a well-tested vaccine that, you know, deals with a terrible, terrible illness, I'm supportive of vaccines. But this Wuhan virus has been so overblown the death toll in Canada, I mean, we don't want anyone to die, but the annual death toll of flus and pneumonias is about 8,500 a year in Canada. Well, that's almost exactly how many have died from this latest virus. It is no out of the ordinary. Uh, it doesn't affect young people. Um, the idea that there would be a mandatory vaccine rushed out hastily by China that we all have to jab into our arms because 9,000 people passed away is insane. It's not... It's not even actually a pandemic. If you are a senior in a senior's home with a do not resuscitate, do not revive order, yeah, I'd be terrified about this thing. But anyone else, anyone under 50, it's not even a thing. Right, right. I mean, how many many cases of H1N1? Uh, did we have how many deaths uh, and and yet we we didn't uh, suffer this self-inflicted wound of shuttering the economy uh, which may have in fact done irreparable harm i can't imagine how we're going to dig ourselves out from a 350 billion dollar deficit um uh, let's go back to february uh this um this was another curious one where, although it was very early on in the game, I think Canada had yet to record any uh, deaths from COVID-19. But uh, And in China, something like 14,000 uh, deaths, perhaps. Uh, Canada suddenly decides to ship 16 tons of, of uh, personal protection equipment, masks and gowns and so forth, uh, to China. 16 tons. What's going on it there? It makes no sense makes no sense uh, other than uh, if you look at it i mean and this is really the thrust of the book is i call it china virus how justin trudeau's pro-communist ideology is putting canadians in danger and i really look at the long-standing ties or love affair really that trudeau has with communist china and it that's the only way that makes sense because remember it's not just bizarre to give away our protection in the middle of a pandemic to the country that actually manufactures so much personal protective equipment. I mean, why would we send it back? Why wouldn't we keep our emergency stockpiles? Um, There's a lot of questions of why we would give away our insurance policy anyways. But remember, China still has two Canadian hostages, Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig, um, who were illegally detained, held in conditions that can be equated to torture, Um, The lights never turned off in their room. They were held without charge for more than a year. Why would you be so loving 
to a dictatorship that has kidnapped two of your citizens. Right. Why would you give away your good stuff? And it just never stops. And you'll remember that when Trudeau ran for the leadership of his own party, he was at a fundraiser. And he was asked, what country do you most admire? And he said, China. And there are many things to admire about China. I admire many things about China. I, I admire their history, their art, their food, their architecture, their language, their, their, their people. There's so many things to admire about China. But Trudeau didn't say that. He said their basic dictatorship. He used those words. I admire China for its, quote, basic dictatorship. The worst thing, the most odious thing about China is the one thing he loved. And it's not just him. His brother, Alexandra, Sasha Trudeau, actually published a pro-China book. That's fine. But who published that book? He could get any publisher in the world. I mean, you're, you're Sasha Trudeau. You're the brother of um, the prime minister. Your personality in your own right. Who did he go to to publish that book? The Chinese dictatorship. They published it as a government publication. Pure propaganda. Alexandra Trudeau, Justin's brother, his foreign policy advisor for his leadership race, published a pro-China book with the dictatorship. That's not even a book anymore. This whole family is in love with China. Right, There's right. nothing China can do to deter it. And, and it, they, they come by it honestly. Their father, Pierre Trudeau, went to China during the Cultural Revolution, the Great Leap Forward, I mean, went to China during Mao's reign of terror and fell in love with the place, just like right. Pierre Trudeau fell in love with Stalinist Russia. It's it's deeply troubling how into the Communist Party of China Trudeau is. It's just like his love for Castro. It's very strange. Well, yeah, I want to delve into that, um, certainly as the hour unfolds. Uh, Ezra Levant is with us, of course, the founder of Rebel News and his latest China virus, how Justin Trudeau's pro-communist ideology is putting Canadians in danger. And you mentioned Michael Kovig and Michael Spaver, who are languishing in prison uh, it's it's going on two years, I think, now. Um, and also, there are three Canadian citizens that were recently sentenced to death uh, in China. And um, I, I don't know what the outcome of that will be. Um, but as you say, regardless, uh, Trudeau and the Liberals continue to cozy uh, up to the uh, the Chinese regime. Um, then there's uh, Huawei. Now, this isn't directly related to coronavirus, but it, it, it is uh, a possible threat to national security, and that certainly poses a potential danger to Canadians. And, and now Canada stands alone among the five eyes. This is this intelligence pooling agency, along with New Zealand, Australia, the United States, and uh, America, our, our staunchest allies. We stand alone in... Uh, not banning uh, Huawei uh, and their 5G equipment. Um, is this... Yeah, it, it's... Go ahead. I, I think it's a real problem. I mean, um, because of uh, China's totalitarian approach to the Internet, uh, I mean, they've had the great firewall of China for years. They They want to cut their people off from the world and use the Internet as a surveillance device. I mean, in the past, you had to plant a listening device on someone. You had to bug an office or a car. No need to anymore. People carry the listening device on them. It's called their phone. And so in China, they've per perfected the total surveillance state where everything you do is connected. What you surf, what you read, your banking, your emails, 
it's all connected and they have a system they call social credit. You get points for good behavior and demerits for bad behavior. So they need that total internet, cell phone, uh, financial transaction system to track you. So they don't have to plan all this thing device on you. You've decided to carry it around with you. And under Chinese law, companies like Huawei and every internet company must allow a continuous, unfettered, total access to the People's Liberation Army and their security services. So anything that passes through China is lawfully, according to their dictatorship's laws, read, copied, databased by the Chinese police. So imagine letting a company rooted in China, their prized flagship company that, by the way, was built in part by hacking Nortel, Canada's once high-tech darling. Imagine letting them into your country, into your 911 phone system into your you know automatic uh, you know driverless cars into your every and 5g which will be a high speed high broadband internet that will allow so many things like self-driving cars imagine if you gave that control to the chinese communist party that why would you do that and so you mentioned the five eyes those are the, the closest allies canada us australia and new zealand uk we're the only country left that's still saying yeah we'll consider huawei it makes no sense um and by the way this is not a partisan thing of course the republicans are against this but i, I might remind you that susan rice who is barack obama's national security advisor she met with the cbc and basically pleaded to the Canadian to Trudeau, don't do this. It's not a right-wing, left-wing thing. It's a, why would you hand over all communications to China thing? Right, right. And then we have, I guess you could call them sort of the Huawei of airport security. And this is another Chinese government-owned firm. I believe it's pronounced Nuktech or Nuketech. Uh, they were just given a $6.8 million contract to supply security uh, equipment, things like x-rays for Canada's embassies and consulates around the world. Again, uh, just a, a total uh, mind-blowing stunt, really. Yeah, I mean, I remember when the United States was building an embassy in Moscow decades ago, and they let Russian contractors do the work and they had to demolish the embassy because it was completely riddled with listening devices because obviously the, the Russian construction workers embedded those in the embassy. It was ridiculous that they didn't bring in American laborers. Um, imagine doing the same thing for all your embassies and our airports. There, there was that contract to a Chinese firm for that. Why would you invite a country that is your enemy? And by the way, that's not me casting aspersions, Xi Jinping, the president of China, says they are at war with the West. It's not a shooting war, although occasionally it becomes that. They were they had a skirmish with India recently. They threatened Taiwan constantly. They're using police in Hong Kong. They, they're threatening the South China Seas. But President Xi Jinping says he's at war with the West, war by other means, um, cyber attacks, industrial espionage. Imagine saying, hey, no problem. Why don't you, why don't we put you, our self-declared enemy, in charge of our sensitive information and security? I don't get it. It makes no sense. China virus, how Justin Trudeau's pro-communist ideology is putting Canadians in danger. More when we come back. This is no place for the naive or the faint-hearted. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett 
from Zoomer Radio. Just a reminder, if you haven't already done so, subscribe to my free monthly newsletter, Inner Sanctum. And it's real simple. All you need to do is go to my website, strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca, and scroll down to the bottom of the page and you'll see Inner Sanctum. Just click on that. All you need to do is enter your email and voila, you're done. You will then start receiving Inner Sanctum delivered right to your email inbox free every month. I'm very proud of this newsletter. It includes what I call my monthly brief, which is an opinion piece, a column about whatever's going on in the world. And there's also a look ahead to an upcoming episode of The Conspiracy Show. There's a spotlight on a previous guest. There's a book club. There's my recommendation for my podcast pick of the month. I look back at the month in UFO or conspiracy history and much more. Again, Inner Sanctum, my free monthly newsletter. Subscribe at strangeplanet.ca. Just scroll down to the bottom, click on Inner Sanctum, and you'll be prompted to input your email address. And that's it. You are done. We're back with Ezra Levant, Rebel News. The book is China Virus, How Justin Trudeau's Pro-Communist Ideology is Putting Canadians in Danger. Right, uh, at least for now, it's available on Amazon. Maybe they'll go for the trifecta and ban it a third time. But uh, if people don't want to go through Amazon, you said that they could order it through the, rep- the website. They go to rebelnews.com, I guess, and it's it, a link there. Yeah, we have a special website for the book called chinavirusbook.com. And we've stopped printing it ourselves now that Amazon is doing it because um, it's a little easier to handle the shipping and all that through Amazon. I mean, they really do take care of everything. And that's the problem. So many books are sold on Amazon. It has like 90% of the ebook market in the world, for example, that when they ban you, good luck. It's like being banned from the town square, banned from the English language. I mean, you can't do business if you aren't on Amazon. But uh, and I and by the way, I'm still curious who what official it was that banned us. Was it an official of the Canadian government, an Amazon official, a health official, maybe the World Health Organization, maybe China itself? They never said who this official was. And since when can you not criticize or disagree with officials? I mean, if you go on Amazon right now, you can buy a copy of Hitler's book, Mein Kampf, or Mao's Little Red Book. Why did they feel that those are fine, but they had to ban this little book? I don't get it. Mm, Interesting. You mentioned former liberal MP and ambassador to China, John McCallum. He was basically begging the Chinese officials not to hurt the liberals' chances of re-election. Was that the last election or the 2015 election? You know what? I I think that was 2019. I'd have to double check. There's so many. I have half a chapter on John McCallum in the book. There's so many things about him that are a head scratcher. For example, when before he became... Um, when he was in opposition there under Stephen Harper, um, he took $73,000 worth of free trips and gifts from the Chinese government. 73000 How many? How often was he there? And why would a foreign dictatorship believe he was worth that kind of investment? Um, by the way, it wasn't illegal for him to do that. He was proud of it. Uh, when he started talking about Canada... China relations, he said his motto was more, 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 as in he would take any deal offered. He didn't care how lopsided or bad it was. Um, there was a moment there, like you can disagree with Donald Trump, and there's a lot of personality reasons that people don't like him. But at the end of the day, America is America, whether you're a Democrat, a Republican, a liberal or a conservative. And Canada, the United States are close friends and allies. 
But but John McCallum, as ambassador, said this, and just think about this. He said that Canada has more in common with China under Xi Jinping than with America under Donald Trump. My he word. said that, and I think he believed it. But just put aside Trump. I mean, language, culture, music, history, law, sports, music, uh, food, uh, vacations. I mean, just in real life, it makes no sense. But morally and historically and culturally, he actually thinks a totalitarian dictatorship halfway across the world that treats its own people so poorly is more like us than America, even if you don't like Trump. He believed that and he acted that way. And it's insane to me that we're actually still giving foreign aid to China. Either either the first or the second richest country in the world depends on how you measure. It has the most foreign currency reserves in the world. It is $3 trillion U.S. just sitting in the bank. And we're sending them foreign aid. In fact, in March, Trudeau gave an $838,000 grant to the Wuhan Institute of Virology to do more research. Those are That's literally in the city of Wuhan. Why are we giving money to them? And why, it's just what? Foreign aid to communist China? I bet you most Canadians don't even know we do that. I, I would uh, venture uh, to agree with you. Uh, it's, I know, you know, I delve into conspiracies and, and so forth, but it does, it does have all the hallmarks of the, the Manchurian candidate. Uh, I mean, is, are the liberals alone in this? Are, are there, uh, you know, the conservatives equally guilty, uh, under, under Harper, under Mulroney? Did, did we have these same sorts of, the same sort of relationship with China or is this, is this unique to the liberals? I think every Western leader has been soft on China uh, because partly for good reasons. They were hopeful that China was reforming and becoming more liberal. And also because the business CEOs kept saying, oh, don't mess it up. We want to invest. We want to get rich off the Chinese market. And um by the way, I don't know if that actually ever happens. I don't know if companies get rich selling stuff to China because China has a lot of tariffs on us. I mean, for example, there's a conversation right now. Should we ban the Chinese app called TikTok? If you know anyone under 20, you know what TikTok is. It's like a karaoke dance music app. The kids love it. It's the number two most downloaded app in the world uh, on both iPhones and Androids. Um, there's security issues with that app. But China has banned Facebook. China has banned Twitter. So why should we allow Chinese companies to get rich in America and Canada when they won't allow our companies to get rich there? But all these CEOs keep hoping, hoping, hoping they'll be able to sell to China. And they have the ear of politicians. And, you know, I think the business community was blinded by money. And so they, between the business community being blinded by money and Chinese ambassadors saying, hey, we're slowly getting better, I think liberal, conservative, Republican, Democrat, everyone turned the blind eye. And it's only with Donald Trump uh, getting tough with China on uh, currency manipulation and one-sided tariffs and dumping products like steel. And then this virus, I think finally Trump is calling out China. And it's a good thing. And by the way, um, I think that Canadians would be shocked to learn that almost 90% of our medicine comes from China. So many important supply chains 
come from China. How do you feel about that? I'm, I'm not even talking about quality concerns. I'm saying from a security point of view, how do you feel about the fact that we have given a country that regards itself as war with, as at war with us, given them tremendous power over key industries? You know what Japan has done? The government of Japan has said to their companies, if you bring your factories back from China, we, the government, will actually pay the cost of moving back home. They think it's so critically important from a security point of view and financially that they think it's worth it. And I think the same is true. Why would we let China make so much high-tech stuff uh, from a security point of view? And, and what, can Canadians and Americans not make apples and Macintoshes and, and cell phones and TVs? Or at least get it out of China, make them in Korea or Taiwan or India. We've got to be careful. I think in my book I talk about three different approaches to China. How should we deal with them? Should we deal with them like we dealt with Nazi Germany? Should we deal with them like we dealt with Soviet Union? Should we deal with them like we dealt with South Africa under apartheid? Well, we can't go to war with China. They're a nuclear superpower. Uh, the Russian analogy is not bad, a Cold War, but the thing is we have so many economic ties with China that we didn't have with the Soviets. I think we have to take a little bit of the South African approach, which is we have to morally speak out, condemn China for its human rights violations, and extricate ourselves where we can. For example, why should the sons and daughters of extremely rich and corrupt Communist Party officials in Beijing, why should they be sent to our universities, especially U of T and the University of British Columbia? Thousands and thousands of privileged kids of these dictators get to come to Canada for school. Why? I, I agree. I agree. Uh, I, I might take even a harder stance than than the South African model you propose. Uh, it might be a timing issue. We're not maybe prepared to take a truly hard line because our economies are uh, are linked. Uh, but you know, you you mentioned the human rights abuses and harvesting forcibly harvesting organs from political prisoners and running concentration camps. And I mentioned three Canadian citizens recently sentenced to death. Uh, uh, and, and the two Michaels continue to languish in prison. I, I just think it's reprehensible that it seems to be, uh, not only business as usual, but, uh, they're putting their, the, the liberal government seems to be putting their foot on the accelerator. Let's take another quick time out. We'll come back with Ezra Levant and, uh, continue to discuss China virus, how Justin Trudeau's pro-communist ideology is putting Canadians in danger. Stay with us. This is no place for the naive or the faint-hearted. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Let's go back to the late 90s. There was a, a CSIS investigation of this cozy relationship between the liberals and powerful people inside China. Project Sidewinder, I think it was around 97 that CSIS launched this investigation. Whatever happened to that? I think that for years we've known the Chinese government and Chinese spies have been active in Canada. Uh, I mean, more than a decade. I remember the head of CSIS said there were, like a decade ago, said there were a thousand active Chinese spies here. And I think everyone was afraid to talk about it, partly because everyone was relieved the Cold War with the Soviets was over. Do we really need to get back into that stressful mindset? Can't we just pretend we don't see it? Partly, you could be accused of racism. And partly, like I say, there's so many people who said, well, you know, these foreign students, like there's a lot of 
uh, Chinese nationals who come here. I mean, I, there, there's different aspects to the Chinese threat. There's there's industrial espionage, there's military espionage, there's suppressing democracy activists, Falun Gong activists, Tibetans here in Canada. There's a whole bunch of different parts of it. There's the Confucius Institute, which is like a propaganda outfit of the, the kind. There's a whole bunch of things China is doing here, and. For so long, it was just easier to look the other way. I mentioned some of the reasons, but now China's baring its teeth a bit more. We see that with Hong Kong. Look how brutally they're undermining Hong Kong. So I think finally people have the courage to talk about it. Stephen Harper talked about it a little bit when he wanted to bring in rules, stopping the sale of the oil sands to Chinese state-run companies. But I think generally our spy agencies were under-resourced and were sort of told, don't be politically incorrect. Don't don't talk about this uncomfortable subject. Um, we, our official policy is, as John McCallum always said, more, more, more. So I think that police and, and CSIS were frustrated. And even now, I mean, to give you a small example, Francois-Philippe Champagne, Trudeau's foreign minister, until about a month ago, he had a $1.2 million mortgage with the Bank of China, mm. which is a state-run bank. And his excuse for getting that mortgage is so bizarre. He said, well, I had uh, a condo in London, England, and it was the only way I can get a mortgage. That's just not true. London, England probably has more banks per square foot than any other place in the world. And according to the amount of mortgages issued, Bank of China was ranked 53rd in London. Like you had to go through 52 other banks before you found something as obscure as Bank of China. Why would Francois-Philippe Champagne, Canada's foreign minister, take a $1.2 million loan from the government of China, really. And why would he maintain that? As an MP, as a foreign minister, he disclosed it, and no one said a thing. The RCMP were fine with it. CSIS was fine with it. Trudeau was fine with it. The Ethics Commissioner was fine with it. It wasn't until there was a news story about it about two months ago that he finally got a new mortgage. But that just shows that everyone thought, well, yeah, this is normal now. We're in the pocket of China now and don't make a fuss about it now. In fact, instead of complaining about Francois-Philippe Champagne getting a million dollar loan from China, you should get one too. So I think we ha it's hard to get into a war-like footing. No one wants a war. But, but Xi Jinping says we're in war. Right, precisely. Um, I was mentioning Project Sidewinder, and uh, there was some concerns at that time about the the cozy relationship between Power Core uh, and a certain Chinese investment uh, company, which is alleged to have been been founded by by uh, basically Chinese mafia uh, from China and also uh, the mob in Hong Kong and and uh, Power Core, of course, one of the senior managers, John Ray, the brother of Bob Ray, he was a a liberal campaign co chair and 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 Bob Ray. Uh, was interim leader at at one point. Um, do you get into Power Core at all? And and uh, because that is is that's a powerful, powerful uh, a company in this country. Yeah. Well, and of course, the head of Power Core just happens to be the son-in-law to Jean Chrétien, the former prime minister. And of course, Chrétien was very friendly to China. And it was very unseemly, I think, that mere weeks after Chrétien stepped down as prime minister, I mean weeks, I don't mean months, he immediately went to work as a lobbyist for Chinese interests. 
And I've got to think he was thinking about that when he was still sitting as the prime minister. Like, you don't just suddenly become a Chinese lobbyist a few weeks after stepping down. Now, Sidewinder, I mean, that's that's 20 years old now. And even back then, winning influence with Canadian politicians, stealing high-tech secrets, laundering money, uh, the triads. So if that was a problem enough that CSIS and the RCMP were looking into it literally more than 20 years ago, well, imagine how far that is now. Because not only is China so much richer now, there are so many more Chinese nationals here. And I'm not talking about people who are culturally Chinese who come here and want to be proud, loyal Canadians, love our freedom, don't like the dictatorship, and really think of Canada as their home. I'm talking about people who are still controlled or operated, or their heart is still back with the Chinese Communist Party, and unfortunately that exists. So the problems in Sidewinder not only were not dealt with, but they're so far advanced. And imagine, forget about just little crime rings and money laundering. Imagine if you legally gave 1.2 million to the foreign minister and 73 grand in free trips to the to John McCallum. I mean, they're not even hiding what they do anymore. It's crazy. Back with more in a moment. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. This is no place for the naive or the faint-hearted. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Ezra, again, let us know how we can get a copy of China Virus. Thanks. Uh, you can go to chinavirusbook.com and you can see the different links there, including Amazon. You can just go to Amazon directly. We're no longer selling it ourselves, uh, which we did briefly when the book was banned. But I recommend Amazon. It's probably the quickest, fastest way to get it. Uh, I want to go back to the coronavirus for a moment. And I'm remembering uh, comments by Health Minister Patty Haidu when reporters were questioning I guess our seemingly over-dependence on information coming out of China regarding the, the coronavirus, and she said something to the effect questioning China's coronavirus information is like promoting a conspiracy theory. Yeah. That was rather bizarre, too, and nobody seemed to follow up on that. Yeah, I, I mean, it, she was asked a question about how trustworthy is the Chinese info, and she pushed back so hard, harder even than the Chinese government, which has admitted uh, belatedly. That, uh, that they weren't forthcoming. It was like the, the Soviet Union covering up Chernobyl, how the Chinese communists covered up the Wuhan virus. But the way she lashed out, and a few days later, a Chinese state journalist in Canada tweeted praise to her, uh, which is not normally what reporters do. But of course, if you're working for the state media in China, you're not really a reporter. It, it's propaganda. So it's so weird to see the Communist Party praise Patty Haidu and other liberal politicians. You know, um, Canadian politicians should work in the Canadian interest. We don't really want foreign leaders to praise our people because you start to think, well, why are they so happy with us? Did we lose out in some deal or negotiation? But when a foreign dictatorship keeps praise on your health minister, uh, that's time to say, whoa, we're seriously off track if that's where we're getting praise from. I don't know. I just think that um, the real problem, I mean, Patty Heidi is eminently unqualified. The, the former health minister, Jane Philpott, perhaps the most effective cabinet minister in Canada at the time, she was sacked by Trudeau for because she sided with Jody Wilson-Raybould over the SNC scandal. So he put in Patty Heidi, who 
you know, I'm not disparaging graphic designers, which is what Patty Heidi was before becoming a, an MP. Um, it's not really a qualification. So I don't think Patty Heidi was a real decision maker, but Teresa Tam is. And I have a whole chapter in the book about Teresa Tam. She's Canada's public health officer. But at the same time, and talk about conspiracy theories being right out in the open, this is a conspiracy fact. During the entire time she's been Canada's public health officer, she has also worked for the United Nations World Health Organization, which is controlled by Dr. Tedros Adhanom, the Ethiopian politician backed by China. So it's a China-dominated UN agency that helped cover up the Wuhan virus in the early days. And Theresa Tam works for them. So if there's a contradiction in interests, if there's a conflict, how does Theresa Tam manage that? Who does she side with? Well, the answer is she has sided with the World Health Organization every step of the way. And that is not a Canadian public health officer. She helped uh, tow the World Health Organization line to Canada's detriment. She used the World Health Organization line that to be concerned about this pandemic back in January was racist. And I just don't know how you can work for a country and work for the UN at the same time because those are conflicting interests. And she has been wrong on literally everything. But I'll never forget the fact that her first response to the pandemic was to call people who were simply concerned racist, even though, by the way, many of the early people concerned about it were Chinese Canadians because they were following the news back in China. They were concerned. They wanted some quarantines. Teresa Tam called them racist. I'll never forget that. I'll never forgive that. Right, right. Uh, and Derek Sloan, conservative uh, leadership candidate, took a lot of heat for suggesting that she should be fired. And he, of course, was also uh, labeled a racist for questioning her her loyalty. Um, I want to ask you about also the uh, the uh, banning of flights. Now, interestingly enough, Donald Trump took a lot of heat because very early on, he took a very proactive measure and banned flights from China uh, and uh, was roundly criticized by the Democrats for that. Although um, Anthony Fauci later praised him, saying that that early action mm-hmm. probably saved, you know, who knows how many lives. What is this? Uh, did Canada ever ban flights from China? No. In fact, every single day, flights from China have continued to arrive. And for about three weeks there, uh, at Rebel News, we sent our reporter, David Menzies, to the airport to greet the flights from China. It's very easy to do. You go to four airports in Canada that take foreign flights now. Uh, Vancouver, Calgary, Toronto, Montreal. So take Toronto Airport. You just go to the arrivals, and you can see every single flight coming from China. They never stop. And what you can do is then type that flight into another website called flightaware.com. You can literally track the planes coming from China to Canada. They never stopped, not for one single day. And David would go every single day. And for months, he would ask people, did, was there any screening? Did you get your temperature taken? And they said, not only did they say no, but most of the passengers said they wish they had. I remember some of the interviews he did. Um, one fella said he was coming back, I think, from Madagascar, and it had been through four airports. And everywhere he had a temperature screening, except for Canada. Now, I think finally, 
now that it's August, <laughs> they're taking temperature. Well, the pandemic's over. Now, look, I don't know if quarantines would have stopped things or taking temperature would have stopped things. I got to think it would have slowed it down. But what's so crazy to me is that the pandemic peaked uh, mid-April, if you look at number of cases and number of deaths. So the first case in Canada was January 25th. It ramped up. Mid-April was its highest height. Then May it declined. June, July, we're in August now. It's over statistically. It really is over. There are provinces that don't have a new case for days running. Um, but only now we're bringing in temperature testing at airports. Only now we're bringing in mandatory masks. And I just don't get it. We didn't do any of, the, any of these things when the virus was at its, at its height. We're doing them now. And they're saying that the, va- the vaccine could be mandatory. Why is this all happening now that it's all over? This, that, I think, is the next chapter that's going to be even more interesting. How Justin Trudeau seized the power through this pandemic to to violate civil liberties and spend money and tax and borrow in ways he never would have dreamt possible six months ago. Uh, Well, is this going to be, this will be a a final question, but do you think or do you uh, anticipate that the Liberals' handling of uh, COVID-19 will be an election uh, issue? And who knows when that election will be? Well, I don't think it's going to be because I haven't seen the other parties show any courage in criticizing Trudeau. A few things on spending and trying to seize powers in Parliament, but I haven't seen a general opposition to any of his lockdowns. And by the way, a lot of that's happened at the provincial level, too. I think politicians are terrified to speak out against anything because they'll be called, oh, you just want to kill people. Um, I mean, it's so easy to err on the side of overreaction and caution. Um, in the United States, there's more opposition to it. But if you look at the worst of it, I mean, Trudeau had one job, secure the borders. He failed. But the provinces and the cities are the ones who have these absurd lockdowns and mask bylaws. And um, you don't see a lot of opposition there. The mandatory vaccine, that's probably going to come from Justin Trudeau if it comes. I'm worried that we don't have a voice articulating a thoughtful response. I'm not talking about a knee-jerk response, opposing for opposing's sake. Just asking critical accountability questions. I haven't seen that during the pandemic, certainly not from the federal conservatives. I lean to the right, as you can tell, but I have not seen, other than Derek Sloan, who you mentioned earlier, I have not seen much criticism in the federal conservative party for how the government has handled things. And that makes me scared for civil liberties. How do we subscribe to Rebel News, Ezra? Thanks very much. Um, 90% of our videos are free. You can just go to rebelnews.com or go to our YouTube channel. We've got 1.35 million YouTube subscribers, so people seem to like it. For people who can't get enough, at rebelnews.com, you can subscribe to our paywall shows, which is like a TV-style show every night. So we like to tell the other side of the story. that It's a little bit like your show, to talk about things that are a little bit dissident, zig where the other guys zag. We believe that there's another side to every story. So we share that with you, and, and I'm so glad that you are one of the few voices willing to tell a contrarian story because I don't want a country made up of think-alikes. So I thank you for being a bit of a dissident and thanks for having me on today. Thank you again, Ezra. Thank you. Crop Circle filmmaker Patty Greer is next. Stay with us. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. 
on Zoomer Radio. Thanks for inviting me into your home. Long haul truck, RV, camper, taxi. Your parents' well-appointed rec room with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker. Your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Crop circles this hour on The Conspiracy Show. And it has been a fascinating summer in the world of crop circles. This summer, a mysterious crop circle formation appeared in Wiltshire, England, that looks very much like the coronavirus. In another incident, a crop circle in England formed around a tree. Patty Greer is one of the most devoted crop circle filmmakers and researchers today, having produced eight full feature crop circle films in 10 years that received eight prestigious awards, including five EBEs at the International UFO Congress. Her films offer unrelenting evidence and explosive footage of crop circles being produced by spinning plasma balls of light. Patty's conclusion after producing eight UFO films and working closely with Penny Kelly, the real lab partner of the great scientist William Levengood, for the final 16 years of his life, is that crop circles are produced by counter-rotating spinning plasma vortices coming out of the Earth. They're not coming from the sky. Patty is also the co-owner and media relations director of C60 Evo, which manufactures and distributes ESS-60, the consumable form of carbon-60, a known antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammatory, and powerful antioxidant. Hey, Patty, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? I am wonderful down here in Boulder, Colorado, hiding away in the woods. And you, up there in Canada? Oh, steady as she goes. Things are slowly opening up up here. But uh, who knows what's around the corner? Things are just changing uh, minute by minute, it seems. Uh, it turns out this was a very busy or is shaping up to be a, a very busy summer in terms of crop circles. Uh, I wanted to ask you about this one uh, that a lot of people are making a fuss about, and it's a crop circle with a tree smack dab in the middle. Have you ever seen anything like that before? Uh, actually, no. That was kind of an unusual formation. And whoever flew over got the sun at just the right angle. So you could really appreciate the size of the tree in the middle of the formation. But um, as much as I love to say most crop circles are real, uh, as I look at the aerial view of that formation, and I'm sorry to be a little meticulous here, but the bottom right circle is not consistent with the size of the other three, the satellite circles. So when I see a crop circle, if I'm not there in England or in Hungary or Poland, wherever they show up, I'm not going to really be able to tell you if it's real or not. But if I'm in it, I can definitely tell you if it's real or not. So this one in particular, I'm not there in England this summer, but I'm looking at the aerial photos enough to see the imperfections of the sacred geometry of the perfect mathematics. And in a real crop circle, typically they are meticulous until it rains or a bunch of people walk on it and stomp down the wheat where it's no longer perfect. But this one, it appears to be man-made to me. Right. And it, it, it's, it's very simple. I mean, it seems to me that crop circles are getting more and more intricate fractals and comp, very complex geometric designs and quite beautiful. And this one uh, is very almost rudimentary. Uh, so that, that might also be a tip off. I don't know. 
Well, you know, the only crop circle that people know about, of course, I have two in my films, but the only one that where they actually filmed the balls of light laying a crop circle down in seconds is called Oliver's Castle. And it's actually very simple, like this one. It's a center circle with a few satellite circles around it. And that one was historic because even though they wanted to bunk it, my final film, Crop Circle Diaries, proved with a, without a shadow of a doubt that the scientists were lying. And it was, in fact, real balls of light creating a crop circle. So uh, simple doesn't mean anything to me, um, but meticulous does. And humans are generally sloppy when it comes to boards and ropes and a couple of beers or <laughs> boards and ropes and a bunch of cameras. And, you know, right. people have not been able to prove that they can make a flawless sacred geometry crop circle, even when they stake it out days before and aren't seen in the middle of the night stomping down the wheat. But when you're in it, there's no doubt, unless you're not sensitive at all or not feeling your body, but the little teeny hairs on my girl arms stand up. And it happens to me about 10 feet before I get to the actual crop circle. So I know that I'm close. Because all of a sudden, it's like the tingles, the tickle on the top of the head, and all of the little hairs on my body are not going down like normal gravity. They're going up. And yeah, it's shocking how, how charged the real crop circles are. And I would say more than 90% of the ones I was in, and I was in more than 100 over my 10 years of filming in England, uh, that most of them were, in fact, very real to me. And this one's in Wiltshire, this one, uh, which is kind of crop circle central, right? I mean, that's traditionally a very busy area for crop circles. Well, that's a great lead up to what I want to talk about, which is that, yes, Wiltshire, England, Somerset, um, Avebury, the Avery Stone Circle, Stonehenge, Glastonbury, all the sacred sites, all the dull, what are they called, dull? where they bury the bones of the ancestors. And for thousands of years, people used to walk across Europe to come to these sacred sites in southern England, Wiltshire, England. So the area over the, uh, the hundreds of years, perhaps eons, has been a gathering place for sacred energy and higher dimensional work. Thus, Stonehenge. Thus, the Avebury Stone Circle plopped right down there. And between sacred sites, if we mapped it out from the air, which includes ancient churches, big burial grounds, if you do a line between each sacred site to the next, what we have is a map called ley lines. And it's the lay of the energy field connected to those other sacred sites. And so in southern England, it was like a spider web. There were so many places to choose from. But the bottom line is, which most people still don't realize, because my movies are still somewhat hidden, um, the crop circles are not coming out of the air. They're not coming from spaceships flying over or aliens walking on the earth and zapping the field. They're actually... It's been proven, and I have films of it being proven in Crop Circle Diaries, that plasma vortices are coming out of the earth in pairs, and they're spinning 
fields of energy. And they have different layers of different frequencies that create very specific patterns on the ground. And what most people don't realize is that crop circles coming out of the earth are actually coming from a true consciousness, which is the mother herself, the mother earth, is a living being. And we forget this, that, you know, as we grow hair, she grows trees. As we grow little teeny hairs on our arms, she grows plants and forests and she's alive. And no matter what we've done to her over the years, the fracking, the drilling, the chemtrails, the tractors and buildings and basements and, you know, all the ridiculous things that humans have done, the earth is still working with us, which is such a beautiful gift. But what's interesting to me in knowing without a doubt that crop circles are coming out of the conscious living earth is that energetically when I was filming from 2006 to 2016, the farmers were wonderful. The crappies were everywhere. And we had a research center that was a party. I mean, it wasn't drinking, drugging. It was comparing notes about what just happened in the last formation and what we experienced. And then there's a map where you stick a push pin if you found a new one, and then all of us run out to the new one. So there was a real camaraderie in Wiltshire, England when I was filming. I was there for the peak. I mean, it was by July, um, this July, we already had 16 crop circles this July. August is just beginning. We have four. But this whole year, from January to May, we had six. And then in June, nine. So July getting 16 was a real build. And August is just starting. But there have been some incredibly, I'm going to use the term facetiously, novel crop circles. Because <laughs> in the beginning of this year, May... Um, God, when did that one happen? Let me find it. Um, it was in early May and it happened in Wiltshire, England, and it was a splat virus that extended out with a long neck. This was early in the season. This was the mother, in my opinion, the earth herself telling us, here it comes. And bam, we were already in it by May. But the earth herself gave us the message, which was a crop circle of a virus. Right. It was like latent. Yeah, it's um, it's it's very different than most crop circles I've seen. And I've seen I've just seen photographs, mostly aerial photographs. But this, uh, yes, it, it looks just like a kind of a, uh, a representation of the coronavirus. And uh, it's not like a fractal or a very precise geometric uh, form. I mean, it's it's symmetrical and so forth, but it's, I don't know, how would you describe it? We're on radio. Just uh, how would you describe what this thing looks like? I don't even know how to describe it, but people should look up Virus Crop Circle 2020 and they will see a picture of it. The field was very green and it had a lot of elements within the splat of a formation, but it wasn't like a round ball virus like we're used to seeing on TV. It was the round ball filled with all these inside elements of obviously uh, bad things, but then it had this long neck that went out. So it was like extended. So basically to me, it said a virus that has been augmented. That's what I saw. So 
What's interesting is that the epicenter since the 1980s, we have had obviously most of the crop circles in Wiltshire, England forever. And that's why I was explaining the ley lines and this massive energy field in Wiltshire. But the reason I quit filming there pretty much 2014, the farmers started getting warned by the local government the bottom line is, I'm just going to say it, if you want your monthly money for your farm, you will mow out the crop circle tomorrow morning if it comes today. Wow. Like what? So we started seeing the crop circles disappear. We started seeing the nice farmers. Some of them even put out a little tip jar that said, you know, leave us a pound or two to go in the formation to help us, you know, cover the cost of the wheat that we lost. And we would always do that, but then there'd always be some idiot that would steal the tip jar, and so they quit doing that. But ultimately, this infiltration started, in my opinion, 2014, 15, 16, of pretty much all, not the crop circles or UFO, but the whole field got infiltrated, and the circus came to town. And all the greats, for some reason, died in a short period of time. Um I went through a very difficult uh, situation, but I lived. <laughs> and I think it's because I take C60. Um, but I'm one of the only original ufologists that's still around. And what I saw was once the infiltration came in, and this is huge. This to me was proof positive that the earth is conscious. When the farmers, when the military, when the energy all changed, she didn't react until 2019, last year. The epicenter moved to France. It was unbelievable. The whole summer, France, France, England, France, France, England, and then England kind of caught up. So I think it was 15 to 17 by the end of the summer. But France took the lead. So in my opinion, the earth herself said, you know what? And her, one of her early formations last year was in Poland. Poland? Crop circle? Hmm. But it was this beautiful yin-yang that's a paisley into a paisley. And then in the big bubble of the paisley, there's a ball. And they're perfectly balanced, uh, black to white, white to black. On the other hand, the white one was completely outside the yin-yang formation. Only the black one existed. And that began 2019, which for me was like Poland, number one. Number two, yin-yang with the male element outside of the power system. Very interesting message. And again, somebody else might see it completely differently. I've been reading them for 15 years now, crop circles. I kind of read them like a book. But again, it's only my perception. Doesn't mean I'm right. Right. It just means compared to the other ones I've seen, this one feels like this. You you mentioned France uh, last year sort of taking the lead or becoming the new epicenter. And there, is a, there was an interesting one this July in mm-hmm. France. It's a giant Templar sign, you know, yes. like the Knights Templar. Did you see this one? I did. I loved it. July 12th. It was gorgeous. But it wasn't the first Templar. Um, this summer, there were actually two. Um, July 12th, there was one in France and there was another one in God, where was the other one? I think it was England and it was a slightly different Templar cross, which I also call a Celtic cross. So we've had two of those this summer. 
And when I talk about the ley lines in France, which I didn't mention yet, most of them are on the Mother Mary path, like where her churches are, where people would go to worship Mary Magdalene across France. All these sacred sites are where we had the majority of crop circles last summer. And again, this is just my perception, but all 17 of them, in my opinion, looked like the same formation with slightly different elements. There were crescent moons, there were round planets, and they were all basically stacked on an axis, like a center axis point, and all different shapings of crescent moon, then an upside down crescent moon, and then a couple of planets. So I think people that were into astrology were reading it astrologically. Oh, well, it's this. But here I am looking at it energetically, and I saw divine feminine. I saw the arms up in the um, crescent moon. It looked to me like there was a ball as a head, then a crescent moon next down, the arms up dancing, and then the crescent turned upside down, which looked like a skirt. I mean, it, they were all so similar that if you spun them, and what I mean is you've got a central axis point, if you actually could spin that formation, I bet it would look like a female with a skirt and a head and her arms up dancing like those um, Russian dancers, you know, with their right, arms up right. all the time. It was so consistent in France that I knew it was a very powerful message from the Earth herself saying, hey, England, you want to lose your frequency? You want to bring in military and destroy all my messages to your people? Fine, you do that, I'm leaving. So she went over to France. That's what I felt. And all of her French crop circles last summer appeared to me that it was the goddess dancing. And when the ball fell out of the yin-yang at the beginning of summer, it felt as if last year was this transitioning into a more divine feminine era, which we're hearing about, the Great Awakening. So could it be that it was a really big message, but only a few people heard it. But I'm sure Wiltshire noticed, hey, we're not getting many crop circles. And then at the end of the summer, they caught up. July, August, they had more, but they still didn't have as many as France. So now I'm looking at this year, and it's back to England. The epicenter is back to England. So did anybody notice? Did anybody learn anything other than me? I don't know. But I think that the Earth herself did some healing with the transitioning of the epicenter. Isn't that powerful? It's very strange too, that, that, that it would move, it would shift over, you know, across the channel to France and then come back. Um, so this year it looks like sort of things are back to normal in terms of England being the epicenter, or I know there was another one in Germany recently as well. And Hungary and France, and it began in Italy, and uh, July 30th, we had a triple Julia set, which is a triple Fibonacci sequence, looked identical to the one that happened in Stonehenge, I think 1996, just happened in Poland five days ago. What? Or, I mean, now 13 days ago, excuse me. Wow. And yeah. um, is, is it... Is it unusual for these uh, these designs to repeat? We do see familiar ones, but this one was like, what? 
that's that's 20 something years ago. No, July 30th just happened in Poland. So the Fibonacci sequence, as we know, um, is a sacred geometry of perfect mathematics. And a triple is three of them with the center point perfectly spaced, which happened in Wiltshire in 1996. And a friend of mine was there and she actually said, I took a group into that formation. Actually, they were all at Stonehenge. This is very interesting. They were all at Stonehenge, middle of the day, thousands of people. And all of a sudden, a guard reported that there was a crop circle that just appeared across the street and it was called in by a pilot. So this pilot had brought a scientist out and you're not allowed to fly over Stonehenge without a special permit. You always have to get permission to fly over the sacred sites. And um, so this, this pilot was bringing out a scientist and on their way out, there was no crop circle. And they did their measurements from the air over Stonehenge, looped around and came back the very same way and bam! There was a triple Julius set, sacred geometry, that was flawless. And he called, I got goosebumps, excuse me. I'm so cheap when it comes to magic <laughs> crop circles. But um, my friend somehow got the call. She must have had a guard that liked her. And he told her, he said, there's a new crop circle just happened. Broad daylight within the last 20 minutes. So she and her group left Stonehenge went across the highway, got into that crop circle before most people, and she said, I don't know what hit. I don't know who said what. All I know is for three and a half hours, we didn't stop laughing. Remarkable. Patty, stay put. We'll come back. We'll touch on uh, some more crop circle information, and then we'll talk about the miracle molecule. Back with more of my conversation with crop circle filmmaker Patty Greer right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. A quick programming note before we get back to Patty Greer. Next week on the program, we'll dedicate the entire two hours to human trafficking. My special guest, Shay Invitiata, is the founder of Free Them. And we'll talk about modern day slavery. We're back with Patty Greer. Let me ask you, do you ever, do you miss it? I mean, I you, you say you've made your last crop circle film and, and you sort of have moved away from that area. You don't talk about it as much as you used to, but I can hear it in your voice. I mean, you're getting excited and passionate about it. Do you miss it? Well, you know, it changed so much energetically that I don't. It's kind of like asking me if I miss the UFO events. I loved it. Oh, God, it was so fun. I loved the audiences. But once it became infiltrated, it was nothing I wanted to be a part of. And that's what happened in England was it became dangerous. And when I left in 2009, I was actually threatened. <laughs> so I didn't go 2008. I filmed three movies. I had no idea what I was doing. I had a new movie camera, really didn't know how to use it. But somehow, whatever was running my program knew how to use it, and I made three films. But when I went to the airport, the owner of the B&B, who was a, a drunk, um, said to me, uh, if you don't quit being nice to my wife, I'm going to have my brother find something on you at the airport. I'm going to have him search you and plant something, and you'll never get home. 
And I remembered thinking, please be liquor talking because the last thing I need is any trouble. You know, I'm clean. I travel clean. I don't even drink. So, you know, but it, it, that energy for me became very, um, unwelcoming. And when I think of traveling, there's places that just don't like Americans. Why go? So do I miss it? I miss the great days. But now I'm looking at how we've grown up. And I've evolved into working with a major miracle molecule. And I don't think I would have had I not been on this path. And my dear friend, crappie friend that was in all those formations with me, very dear friend Janet Osabar just made that massive movie, Fall of the Cabal. I mean, wow. So as long as we don't let go of the wisdom and the magic that we received from those formations over those years, I think that there's kind of a, a road that we're supposed to go on where we just continue evolving into how can we bring this information forward. So yeah, today is super fun because you asking me to talk crop circles made me go, oh, well, I better go back to the crop circle connector so at least I can say six in January, you know, and through May and nine in June. And, you know, I just wanted to be able to do the general rundown. But yes, I watch them all the time. And people that are curious about crop circles should definitely join CropCircleConnector.com. It's a website. It'll cost you 25 pounds, which years ago was $40 or something. But if you join, every day there's a new crop circle. You will get that report by email with photos, with comments of people that are on the ground. And I used to be the one to send them photos. And I used to be the one to give them the comments on the ground because I was there. And I would be dead tired by the end of the day if I had hiked into two or three formations you'd be surprised how hard they are to find but once you get there you know it's kind of like having a baby it's grueling until once the baby comes out and it's like oh oh god it's all ecstasy so it's hard finding them sometimes but it's it's like an an amazing treasure hunt are are, uh, you affected by photographs uh, of of crop circles, not not needing even to stand in the middle of one to get that energetic feeling, simply by looking at a photograph. I've 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 heard this from uh, other crop circle researchers that even the photograph can have an impact. It can. For me, it's more a message. You know, when I look at a photo, I see the geometry, or the Morse code, or the sacred geometric pattern that needs to have a pin put in the middle and you spin it and then you've got a propulsion technology. I mean, for me, I look at them more analytically than energetically because I felt so much when I was there that looking at them, I don't necessarily, unless it's an absolutely striking, uh, like the virus one was, it was like, well, that was easy, you know? So the pictograms are as easy to recognize as a dog. It's like, oh, well, that's a dog. Oh, well, that's a virus (laughs) with an extended neck. An interesting one just happened August 8th, which was only four days ago in Wiltshire. I don't know if you saw this one, but it looked like a molecular pattern that had straight line connectors. And somebody said this, which I found very interesting. It certainly looks like trinitramide, 
which is a super efficient chemical fuel for rockets. There's a big image in the landscape there of a rocket, which may also be seen easily using Google Earth. Now, that's interesting. That is. Now, how did you identify that? I mean, you're not you're a smart woman, but you're not a rocket scientist. Somebody how, wrote it that was. Oh, I see. <laughs> OK, fair enough. Yeah, I should have said, quote, it certainly <laughs> looks like that's what I meant to say. Um, yeah. So that's what somebody's comment was. I recognize other things. No, I wouldn't have. But thank you. You're right. Um, so what happened again is that my movies got really heavily hidden because I told the truth about what's important about crop circles. And if I hadn't been really riding the wave of, okay, I'll do that. Okay. I'll do that. I mean, I just had nothing going in my life by choice because, um, I was dealing with a health problem, but once I walked into that first crop circle, I forgot about all problems. All I was in was this bizarre present moment, and my movies got made at 3 to 5 a.m., night after night after night after night. I could barely sleep. I was always awakened within minutes of 3 a.m., and I remember repeatedly saying, no, I just want to sleep. I don't know who I was talking to, but I sure would wake up with a pile of notes and I'd go, wait, what? So do I believe that it's ETs, aliens? No. What I believe is that it's our higher selves. When we finally start to listen and we connect with the earth or who knows, I don't really connect with the stars and I don't talk about alien races because I haven't had that experience. But here's crop circles being hidden under the veil of UFOs so that nobody looks because they're woo-woo crap crap, but they're not. They're a complete earth science. And in the lab of William Levengood for 16 years, he and Penny Kelly, who you and I have talked with, um, actually proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that crop circles are coming out of the earth in plasma vortices. And I have footage and I've seen people debunk the footage, but um, the person that debunked it the most ended up telling the truth to a Native American who handed me that raw footage when I was making my final film and he said, I'm supposed to give this to you. Like, who told you? God? Yep. Hmm. Like, oh, okay. So my movies were so um, multidimensionally made, but again, it was the earth energy. And I definitely am an earth person. My house is full of crystals and plants. Um, so I wasn't surprised that I was the one invited to the lab after all those crop circle visits. None of my crappie friends went to the lab. So I think that maybe I've been hidden this much because somehow they knew that I was going to be the one that not only was in the formations, but also invited to the lab by William Levengood himself a year after he died. It was so stunning. I tell the whole story in my film, Crop Circle Diaries, which is available at cropcirclefilms.com, my website, cropcirclefilms with an S.com. Uh, what I went through there was so remarkable. I walked into a spider web one night at dusk. My friend said, oh, no, Patty, I'm not going the shortcut. And I was like, oh, well, I'm going in covered in huge white tarantulas. 
I don't know what they were, but they were the size of tarantulas. And when I looked down in twilight at my crappie t-shirt and my black lace skirt and thong sandals on my feet, I realized I had like 50 big white cotton balls on me. And then one started moving toward my face and I realized those aren't cotton balls. Oh, crap. (laughs) I stood in the middle of this formation and I don't know how I stayed calm, but I got rid of my clothes very carefully and quickly and they all moved into the wheat. And I stood there thinking, how can I be this fearless? But it was the magic of the earth. It was so delightful that even that didn't throw me. All right, we, uh, we're going to roll into another break. When we come back, uh, let's talk about your, uh, your relatively new venture. You've moved sort of away from crop circles and into uh, health and well-being and uh, empowering ourselves. And, and uh, it's all about a wonderful molecule called Carbon 60. We'll uh, do that when we come back. Patty Greer, my guest, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. We're back with Patty Greer, and we've been talking about crop circles. It's interesting, Patty, how, you know, sort of one thing leads into another, and, and because you were revealing certain things about crop circles, that may have led to some deleterious health effects. You got Mm -hmm. sick, and then that led you into the discovery of carbon-60 and ESS-60. So here we are now, what, two, three years later, and now your co-owner and the media spokesperson for C60Evo.com. Tell me about where you're at right now in terms of your health. I would love to. It's a difficult time to tell the truth, but I am on it. So when I was barely able to walk, it was four years ago, it was the end of my career. It was made the end of my career. And I went, okay, I get it. I'm over it. And I was desperate to heal. And somebody gave me a sample of C60, carbon 60. And I was like, yeah, and eh. But I took a spoonful of it, and half an hour later, I stood up and walked across my cabin, and my eyes were the size of watermelons. So during the course of the last three years, I've tried a bunch of different products because there's all kinds of companies selling carbon-60 products online, especially in America. But there's only one laboratory in the world that's been manufacturing clean C60 for 29 years with integrity, and that's this lab in Texas. Two guys invented the reactor machine to bring carbon fullerenes to the public to research facilities around the world. And it wasn't until the last few years that they discovered they could take it and have amazing healing benefits. So now it's getting out on the market. And because I've been doing a lot of shows and I have a nice following of people that know I don't lie, between my reputation and their lab, We got together and it was right at the perfect time when they were doing this evolution of the science of carbon 60, where they created a new, higher purity, full concentration product called ESS 60, which stands for elemental spherical spheres, 60 carbon atoms. So this new product is guaranteed to be safe for human consumption because in the last few months we tested 22 online products in the lab 
and they found that most of them had a third of the C60 concentration that their bottle claimed they had. Some of the big brands had a tenth of the concentration of C60. So basically you're getting really diluted products and ultimately it's because we're the only lab in America that's got an HPLC machine where you can test your batches to assure your customers that they're getting 0.8 milligrams per milliliters of C60. Now if the bottle says that but they're getting 0.08, well then they're getting a tenth. That never happens at our lab, but in my experience the last few years, I saw a few labs. One was a warehouse, one was an old snowmobile garage. I mean, they're not labs. They're garages, basements, warehouses. Right, right. And the, and the folks at, at C60 Evo, uh, I mean, they're scientists. They they invented the reactor. They built the reactor. It's a long, arduous, expensive process making pure C60, ESS60. And uh, I mean, these were the guys that were that were producing it for industrial use. They were the number one producers anywhere for industrial use. And then... Once these, once word got out and people started noticing that, hey, I'm, I'm noticing some health benefits, they had to be sort of dragged, you know, uh, not kicking and screaming, but they had to be convinced that this could be used for humans, right? They, they didn't start out selling a health supplement. No, but all of them take it now. They even, Chris told me this week, he actually came to visit on a road trip. So I got to meet his family, and I said, do the kids take it? And he said, yeah, you know, they do once in a while. And I said, well, we don't advertise that kids can take it. And he said, yeah, you know, we haven't experimented on the public in mass yet. But I thought, wow, but, you know, it's not dangerous. In 2012, they did the Paris Bhakti study where they tested rats, and they were trying to do, they called it a toxicity study, but it turned out to be a longevity study because no matter how much C60 they gave these Wister rats that are always used in these lab experiments, I'm sorry to say, they couldn't kill them. They just lived longer, 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 and they actually ended up living 90% longer than the other rats. But what was fascinating beyond that was they died without tumors, which was a first with Wister rats in a toxicity test. So the C60 at high purity, which is ESS60, from C60 EVO, EVO as in evolution, C60EVO.com, you're only gonna get ESS60. And we measured how much concentration will go into all these different oils. The best one you can buy is olive oil because it holds 0.8 milligrams per milliliters. No matter how much you mix it, it'll hold 0.8, to 0.85, which is really high concentration. Avocado, we found the more we mixed it, it still only got up to 0.6 or 0.65. Coconut oil, MCT organic from coconuts, the best you can get, you'll never get more than 0.35 milligrams per milliliters. So when companies are promoting C60 and coconut oil, it's so, you know, strong. Well, I was doing the coconut oil and I thought, wow, it's really great. And then I hooked up with Chris and Rob and started doing olive oil because that was their main seller. And the difference just about knocked me over. Back with more in a moment. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. 
So, Patty, you take uh, like a tablespoon of this ESS-60 from C60 Evo. What does it do for you? What do you notice? Well, I'm in my 60s, so I'm not young. I've had a few people try and end my body's life. So I'm definitely fighting some demons, but I'm not really. Because I think the strangest thing about this product, and it won the... um, was it the Nobel Prize in 1996, the Nobel Prize in Science, 1996, carbon-60 fullerenes were so incredible that they received such an award. And then in 2012, when they did the ta- toxicity test and it ended up showing longevity and no tumors, that was our C60. That was our ESS-60, direct from our lab at C60 Evo. So I'm really proud of the fact that our... C60 or ESS60 is what they're using for the main experiments when they're trying to figure out how good or bad this product is, but nobody died on it. So me personally, I didn't even know. I just, I'm one of those hippies from Boulder, Colorado. I use a pendulum. Pendulum said, heck yeah. So I did it. And every spoonful um, a lot of people take a teaspoon. It's recommended to start with a teaspoon to take it right off the spoon. It doesn't taste hardly at all. You do it before noon with food, in my opinion. Some people do it without. But if you do it before noon, you're going to have extended energy all day and surprisingly good sleep. Now, the sleep benefit didn't hit me until the last couple months, which is amazing because look at the world these last couple months. But somehow looking at the world, and I'm watching a lot of YouTube videos I'm listening to a lot of podcasts because I've never been political until now when it's so important. And no matter what I read, no matter how horrific it is, the human trafficking, somehow this C60 Evo has kept me more balanced than any product I've ever used. It's Some people say I used to be on antidepressants and now I don't need it. A lot of people that have issues with their eyes, cataracts, have amazed their doctors with improved vision and their cataracts actually reversing. Now, we don't claim that it cures it. We're just saying we have received testimonials. Right. This is anecdotal stuff, but still, anecdotal is is powerful. 172 times more powerful than vitamin C. Mm Mm-hmm. They called it the miracle molecule repeatedly in the lab. Um, people are finding that they actually not only have more energy, flexibility, but a lot of people are claiming more virility. And the funniest thing I've heard, because we also have a product for dogs, which is flavored with bacon essence, and we have a product for cats, which is flavored with natural salmon essence. The cats and the dogs actually love it. I'm hearing that from everyone. But my favorite testimonial, and you can't fake this, is the guy with the old 12-year-old dog said, I started giving him C60 Evo for dogs, and he started running around more. And now he's up with my six-year-old dog, and they're having a good time again. Oh, it's so nice to see him playful. But when he started humping her, oh, I was really impressed. Well, here, yeah, because, because there's no such thing as a placebo effect with pets. Correct. But the people that are sending testimonials are sending them constantly because once you – start to realize that you actually feel better, uh, it's hard not to notice. There's, there's a lot of healing going on, 
there's a lot of benefits and I think it goes for your weakest place and starts there. But the mental aspect, have you noticed that? Because I know you take it every day and your wife. Yes, I take a tablespoon every day, usually around eight o'clock. It's one of the first things I do when I get up. I have a tablespoon. The mental clarity is number one for me. Mm -hmm. And I think it all stems from, in my humble opinion, from that good night's sleep, which it does give you. I sleep soundly. I sleep deeply. If you're well-rested, everything else seems to follow from that. If you're well-rested, that's where all of the restoration takes place, that the healing, we heal when we sleep. And so I don't have aches or pains. I'm 56. I, you know, I bend over to tie my shoes. I don't, I don't get that stitch in my back. I, I don't know too many people my age who don't have any aches or pains touch wood but i you know i I, i've been taking carbon 60 uh let's see when did we start that it's coming up on a year i think yep we opened uh pretty much november 1st right so almost a year Mm -hmm. and does the mighty aphrodite your wife uh, notice any benefits she's sleeping much better it's wonderful it's wonderful You know, it took me a long time to start sleeping well again, but oh my God, it is a whole different level of sleep and I am loving it. And if I'm sleeping now better than I have in 15 years, then I'm really grateful. But um, again, you know, the the sleep is so important, Uh, but I didn't sleep well for the first three years using the product. I just found that number one, I lived. (laughs) I think it helped me stay alive because um, it's a it's like a magnet that goes through your system to vacuum up free radicals and toxins and I have watched stuff come through my skin and out of my body which I used to joke about on some of the earlier shows when I would talk about C60 and ESS60 I would say okay this week on Patty's guess what came out of me you know I had so many things come out of me since I've been taking this product I even had stitches on the side of my leg for something they took off and there was nine on the inside and those stitches are going to melt and then 11 on the outside and we'll take them out in a month. Well, the ones on the inside didn't melt. Instead, they grew into a very small ball and came out the stitches of my skin and it's called a spitting suture and all of a sudden I had this little white rock in my hand and I was panicking I called the doctor and she said wow yeah we've seen that but not very often your body rejected melting those stitches I'm so proud of my body how do they order it Uh, at the website store c60evo.com and I want to mention that Richard has a 5% discount and that is uh, Richard Sarah, C- R-S- uh, C60evo.com and then uh, slash R-E-F slash R-S-1. So C60evo.com slash R-E-F slash R-S-1. Or they can just go to Strange Planet. That's my website, strangeplanet.ca, and click on the banner ad. If you sign up for a subscription, you get 20% off. And you get 20% off every month. It comes to you automatically. If you don't love it, send us an email and cancel at any time. But our subscriptions are most of our business because saving 20% does help. If you and a few friends want to buy a case of 12 bottles, it's 25% off. And again, these discounts are generous. And on top of that, your first order, if you use Richard's code, on top of the 25% off, you'll get another 5% off. So it does help with the cost. And if you just want to try one bottle, 
20% off sign up for a subscription, I think most people will notice it. But the funny thing is the people that don't end up saying, oh, you know, I'm so busy, I don't even think about it. But gosh, now come to think of it, I do have more energy, sleep better, feel better. Oh my God, I didn't hurt after my workout at the gym. So we're hearing so many testimonials from people that do life better with C60 Evo. And it's not all that expensive if you don't need all those other supplements anymore. And you don't need antidepressants or anti-inflammatories or, you know, all those pills that end up adding up. This is when you get your four ounce bottles, only like $77 a month on subscription. I recommend an eight ounce bottle, which is twice that 144 with subscription. But then you've got enough to do a tablespoon if you want it or twice a day if you've got a meeting and you want to sharpen your brain, I have very often grabbed another spoonful before doing interviews. Well, it does really affect you quickly and it's hard not to notice. And and you know, what is a good night's sleep worth to you? What is it worth to you to be to be pain-free? C60evo.com and again, go to strangeplanet.ca, click on the uh, the banner ad strangeplanet.ca, click on the C60 Evo banner ad and use this code for an, an additional 5% off RS1SPEC, as in special, RS1SPEC. All right, Patty, always a pleasure. Thank you. Okay, that's it for me. Next week, two hours on human trafficking. Until then, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite, I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.